All right. Good morning, everyone. Again, just for you kids, we'll have you come up later, so hang in there for a little while. Uh, we've been going through a series on fathers, and so today we'll wrap that up. Uh, we started by looking at God the Father, the perfect Father. Uh, we looked at fallen fathers, those who God has created and has sinned against Him, causing a chaos, cursing this world. Last week we looked at church fathers, those who, have, who God has given within the church to be elders and, and shepherds over the, the church. And today we're going to look at house fathers, fathers in the home, you and your family. So let's uh, pray and then we'll, we'll get into it. Father God, thank you that you are our perfect father. And today as we look into your word and as we consider this position of father, in our homes, may you give us insight and understanding. May your Holy Spirit bring application to our lives uh, that we may change and grow in the image of Christ and that we may carry out this role of fatherhood well as you would have us. And so may it be to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start by addressing fatherlessness or lack of fathers. Uh, if you go on the internet to the National Center for Fathering on their website, and as they address the extent of fatherness in our country, here's what they say. More than 20 million children, that's one-third of all children living in the U.S., live in a home without the physical presence of a father. Millions more have dads who are physically present but emotionally absent. If it were classified as a disease... Fatherlessness would be an epidemic worthy of attention as a national emergency. That's the state of fatherhood in our country today. Some more statistics for you. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 71% of teenage pregnancies come from fatherless homes. 80% of children with behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 90% of homeless and runaway children fatherless homes, 63% of youth suicides, fatherless homes, 85% of youth in prison come from fatherless homes. See, the reality is that any fool can bring a child into the world, but it takes a real man to be a father. The church today needs counter-cultural, biblically unashamed fathers who will take responsibility for their family. Men who will follow Jesus Christ and be devoted to their families. That's what the church needs today. That's also what your kids need from you. And so let's look at a biblical foundation for fathers. If you want to be a, a godly man who fathers your children well, you need to start with a God-sized vision for your parenting. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, first chapter of the entire Bible. We're going to start there. We're going to skip around in our Bibles a little bit throughout this morning, so be ready for that. Starting in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
And God blessed them and said, God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the living thing, every living thing that moves on the earth. So here this is at the creation of the, the world, right? God has created all things. He now creates the first man and the first woman. And what is the first thing he tells them? Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over it. In other words, God's desire is to have the earth full of people who would worship him. These first parents were to raise godly offspring. They were send out God worshipers all over the earth, to fill the earth with God worshipers. And so here we see God's purpose in parenting. Parenting is to produce godly children so that the earth will be filled with people who love and worship God. Lifelong God worshipers. And so God's intent here in parenting and fathering is not just to to get your kids to survive until they're 18 and then hope for the best. Right? But sometimes we can be tempted to, to parent like that or have that perspective. Right? Just kind of keep them alive and then send them off. Right? And, and hope they do well for themselves. And sometimes parents can even act or, or believe or, or give the impression that kids are just an inconvenience. Right? The temptation is to say or to, to believe that ah, kids are just in the way. Right? They're in the way of what I want to do. They're in the way of what I want to accomplish. They're in the way of my life. But being a parent, being a father, is a high calling with big responsibilities that go along with it. As we think about this idea of biblical parenting, uh, in his book, um, Teach Them Diligently, Lou Priolo, uh, he says this, Your supreme motive for raising your children, according to the Bible, is to be that they may please and glorify God. All other motives and objectives should be subordinate to this one. Isn't that right? Our purpose in parenting, our purpose in fathering, should be to raise children who love the Lord and serve Him faithfully for all their days. Lifelong God worshipers. Fathers, you need to be an active participant in the lives of your children. Don't leave this parenting job just to mom. Your children need an actively engaged father. This is manly work, it's godly work, it's biblical work. And not only is your voice needed, but your leadership in your home is essential. This isn't just a pop your head in once in a while and see how things are going type of a thing. This needs your active leadership. You need to be at the forefront, leading the charge in the raising of your kids. This includes things like setting the the tone of the atmosphere of your home, developing a plan for discipline, being involved in your kids' education, leading worship in your home with your family, and many, many other things that go along with it. Your family needs you and your leadership. This is your God-given role. And how you approach this role will have generational ramifications, both for positive and for negative. It's important for us to recognize, though, as we look at this foundation, that, that there's a powerful enemy 
who wants to come against you in this. Satan, the devil, the evil one, the deceiver, the father of lies, will throw his attack at you and at your children. He's an enemy of God and God's people. So let's not be ignorant about this. He's out to get you, and he's out to get your family. He's working in strong opposition to God's purpose for you as a father. Right? All those statistics that we read previously, they show that. They point to that. Those are the types of things that the enemy desires for your children. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And he'd love nothing more than to devour your children. And he'll do it in such a sneaky way in order to deceive you. He wants to mess your kids up. And if you're not careful... If you're not careful, he'll use you to do that. So we have to be on guard. Fathers, you're in an all-out war. This is a big-time battle for the well-being of your children. You may not have chosen this, this war, this battle, but it's there nonetheless. Your children's well-being is at stake here. And so we have to be aware. This is a long, drawn-out, day-by-day-by-day battle. And this is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual war we're in, right? Ephesians 6.12 tells us, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's the battle you're fighting over your children. And in in our own selves, we don't have the strength to do this. This is way too big for us. But we have a God who conquers his enemies and desires to bless you and to bless your children. Your fathering needs to be done in this great power that God has provided for you. So what is the father to do? We'll look at some of the responsibilities of fathers. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. This is the verse that Pastor Nate read for us at the beginning of the service. Again, this is a reflection, uh, a response to the first three chapters of Ephesians that lay out the gospel and all the blessings that we have in Christ. These last three chapters, how do we live in worshipful response to that in different areas of our lives? And so we see that here. Ephesians chapter 6, looking at verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So, Father, you are the primary disciple-maker in your home. Your job is to make disciples for Jesus Christ. And this happens starting, number one, in your home. Your first priority is in regard to your wife. Right? Look back up at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, a few verses up. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he may sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives. So you are to love your wife in such a way that she is growing in sanctification. 
She's becoming more and more like Jesus. She's growing as the disciple of Christ. This is where your spiritual leadership in your home begins, with your wife. Lead her well. She's your partner in parenting, and so nurture that partnership well. You know, fathers, the best thing you can do for your kids is to love their, their mother well, to love your wife, their mother, and, and just to do it really well, to put lots of effort into that. A second thing here is you are to disciple your kids, to disciple your children. Look back at Ephesians chapter 4. We read a couple things here. First, we read fathers do not, and then we read fathers do. So fathers, do not provoke your children to anger or exasperate in the version that Pastor Nate read, right? This word means to stir up anger, to enrage, to cause irritation and annoyance on a continuing basis, right? Do not provoke your children to anger. Man, there's so much temptation for us to be selfish and prideful, and harsh, even with those that we love, those that are closest to us. These things don't just affect you. They have an effect in the lives of your, your children. And it leads to anger and bitterness in your kids. Fathers, you have the ability to steer your children down a path of anger and bitterness, stealing their joy, giving them a dismal outlook on life, and even turning them away from God the Father. How does this happen? It happens through your words. It happens through the tone of voice you use. It happens by the attitude you portray. It happens by how demanding you are of them, by unreasonable expectations that are put forward. It could also happen through your absence, your emotional absence in their lives, your apparent lack of care. So fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. That means that you have to work on your own personal sin issues in this. That's what this is. This is your personal sin. So fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. The next thing we see here is fathers do. Fathers do. Do bring them up in the discipline instruction of the Lord. The, the wording here to bring up, it means to, to feed or to nourish or to nurture, right? It carries a sense of bringing up, nurturing to maturity, a fullness. So you are to nurture your children to their maturity. How do we do that? First thing is through discipline, right? This word means to, the training, the education, the, the correction of your children, and again, it encompasses kind of the whole person in this, the whole training and education of your children. So we do it through discipline, and secondly, through instruction. This word gives a sense of a warning for fault, right? A calling out of their, their sin, admonition, exhortation, strong urging them to, to turn from sin and to, to live rightly before God. So again, all these things that kind of address the wholeness of of a person. You're to bring your children up to maturity using discipline and instruction. But notice, it's the discipline and instruction of what? It's of the Lord. Right? It's of the Lord. Fathers, you need to be bringing your children up 
in a way that honors and glorifies God in, in his ways. This needs to be done in Christ, according to him, and in line with his word. It's not simply your discipline and your instruction, but it's to be that which comes from the Lord through you into their lives. All right? Bring them up in the training and dis- discipline and instruction of the Lord. Don't rely on yourself to get this right. You won't. You'll mess it up. Right? Don't do it in your own knowledge and your own strength. It must come as an overflow of your walk with Jesus Christ and then that overflowing into the lives of your children. Turn back with me to the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, Old Testament, fifth book. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to look at what this looks like real quickly, a little bit more of a practical level here, bringing your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 5. This is Moses with the, the nation of Israel, kind of recapping the, what, what God has done and giving them instruction before Moses dies. Here's part of, of what he says. Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your, on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. So here we see, fathers, the first thing you need to do is you need to love God with all that you are, with your whole being. That's step number one. And then teach your children to do the same. So as you think about this vision for the God worshipers all over the world, it starts with you you as a God worshiper, and now just passing that on to your children. But you see here, this is a all the time, all of life type of a thing, right? When you stand, when you sit, when you walk, when you go, when you do this, when you do that, all the time, we are to be doing this, teaching and training our children these things. Proverbs 22.6 says this, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's the goal. That's the goal in our parenting, is lifelong God worshipers, right? And th- but this doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't just happen by chance. We've seen these words in those, the verses that we've read. We've seen these words, discipline, instruct, teach, train. This takes intentionality and purposefulness, right? It takes perseverance. Uh, it takes diligent perseverance, a, a day-by-day, keep-at-it-all-the-time kind of thing. Now, as we think about this, some of you might say to me, some of you men, your fathers might say to me, but my wife is better at that kind of stuff than I am. Right? I've, I've heard that from people. My wife could do that better. Listen, it doesn't matter who could do it better. It's a matter of who is God called to do it. Right? Who's in that role? God has given you as a husband, as a father, that responsibility. You carry the weight of that responsibility. Your wife is partner in that, but you are responsible for that. It doesn't matter who's better at it. The next door neighbor might be better at it. That's not the point. The point is who is God called to this role, to this 
task. Take responsibility and lead your family in these things. Again, your wife is your partner. Include her, but you need to initiate. You need to take the charge in these things. Ultimately, you are the one who will be held responsible for these things. You'll be called to give an account for how well you do with these things in your home. So as you continue on, I want to give you some warnings here. Turn to Titus chapter 1. Titus, New Testament, after the Timothys, a little bit before Hebrews. Titus chapter 1. In Titus chapter 1, verse 5, starts uh, looking at elders in the church. Verse 6 starts talking about elder qualifications. As you've heard before, these elder qualifications are things that all of us men should be striving for. All, we should be working towards these things. These, we should be aspiring to these characteristics. So verse 6, elder qualifications, says, If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. All right? So this word debauchery is an extreme indulgence and immoral activity. Okay? It's kind of like a spiritual wastefulness. All right? There's no self-control. There's running wild, engaged in all kinds of ungodly behavior. So here's my question. Does that sound like your kids? Right? Okay, not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. Insubordination means disobedient to authority, right? rebellious, possessing a defiant attitude. Does that sound like your kids? Maybe in some ways. If your children are like this, first, you're not qualified to be an elder. That's what this passage is talking about in context. But we don't want our children being open to being able to be accused of these sorts of things. Right? But more importantly, this is an opposition to what God desires for you, for your family, for your children. Right? God desires that your children would honor him and live for him. And so we need to be careful with these things. How do our kids get here? How do they get to be um, involved in debauchery and insubordination? This happens when you let your child do whatever they want and have whatever they want. That's where it starts, even when they're young. Right? Especially when they're young, they're developing these life patterns, these perspectives on life. You let them do whatever they want, have whatever they want. Right? Let's be honest. Some of you might be there with your kids. Right? This might be your kids. You might be headed down this path. It's taken root. You can see it growing and, and developing. Fathers, if you have children at home, and you see this taking place, let this serve as a warning to you. This is the path that your children are headed towards, debauchery and insubordination against God. There are long-term implications for how you deal with this, how you handle this, long-term implications for what's taking place in your home right now. Sometimes we excuse it because they're young. And really what we're doing is we're not dealing with our own parenting issues and, the, and taking the effort to deal with that and to deal with that sin. So what do you do about that? What do you do when you see this start to rise up in your kids? 
Listen, you must bring your children underneath your authority. You must bring order into your home. Again, this isn't easy. It's not always a fun thing to do. But your kids need to be taught and trained to be under your authority. If you allow your kids to to have authority over you by letting them dictate the atmosphere of your home, you could be miserable. You could be always fighting a battle with them. You'll be constantly asking them, what do you want? Right? You'll be letting them make the decisions. You'll be trying to make them happy and appease them so that there's a certain level of, of peace that's brought into your home, momentarily at least. Right? Father, you are the one with the God-given authority in your home. You need to be making those important decisions along with your wife's partnership. Right? Now, that doesn't mean that your kids don't get any choices. Right? But you have to be careful and thoughtful about the choices that they get to make. Right? Give them choices in the little things. Right? Do you want to wear the blue shirt today or would you like to wear the red shirt? Not great consequences. Do you want a color or would you like to do a puzzle? Little things. Good choices for them. But be thoughtful in those decisions that you let them uh, make. And when you make a decision, there should be no debate. There should be no argument over it. You are the one with the authority. So again, fathers, your children need to be under your authority. They also need to be under the authority of their mother, right? As your partner in this thing. Man, one of the best things you can do to love your wife is to teach your children to be underneath her authority as well as yours, right? Teach them that when mom says it's time to leave the library to go home, they gather the things together and head for the door, right? Teach them that when mom says there's no donuts for breakfast this morning, they don't throw a big fit over it. Teach them when mom says it's time to clean up the room, they put away the toy they're working on and they start heading for the room and doing the job, doing the task that they've been asked to do. Husbands, you can love your wives really well by protecting them from the disobedience and the disrespect of your children. Right? Guard your wives in this way. Proverbs 29.15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Right? You have a powerful voice, Father. You have to teach your children to respect and honor their mother. Moms, think about this for a second. Wouldn't you just love it if your husband taught your kids to be underneath your authority in this way? Wouldn't life be so much sweeter, so much more enjoyable? Wouldn't there be less stress and chaos in your family? Wouldn't there be more peace and joy in these things? Husbands, you should desire this for your wife. You should desire to see that when you come home, she hasn't been frazzled and stressed out because her children have been so disrespectful and disobedient. You have to lead in these things. You have to teach and train your children in these things. So let's do a little self-evaluation here, fathers. Uh, I just have three questions stemming from what we looked at so far for you. Some self-evaluation questions. First question, are there ways that you are provoking your children to anger? Are there ways that that's taking place? What are those ways that you're doing that? And what can you do to, to make corrections there? Second question, Are there areas where you are being passive or complacent? 
All right? Think for a minute about a garden. All right? You have a garden and you're a gardener. If you are a gardener and you are passive, you're complacent, what's, what's going to happen? You're going to end up with a garden full of weeds. Right? Poor produce at the very best. Right? That's what complacency does. It's true in your life as well. Complacency will lead to poor fruitfulness in your life, in the lives of your family, in the lives of your kids. Right? So where are you being passive or complacent in the things that God has called you to as a father? Third question. If you're on the right path, most of you are. That's great. But where could you use some improvement? Where are the areas that doing well here, but I could just do a little better here. I could make a little adjustment here to, to have things uh, go better for my family, to improve the lives of my kids. As you do this self-evaluation, keep in mind that you can't do this well on your own. Right? You can't do it well on your, your own. None of us father perfectly in these things. We all have areas where we fall short. We can't father like God the Father fathers us. We need the gospel here. We need the forgiveness that comes through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We need the life of Christ infusing us and pouring out into our families. We need his grace in these things. One of the things that I pray on a fairly regular basis, kind of an ongoing prayer that I pray is this. I pray that God's grace will pour into the lives of my kids in such a way that it will cover all of my failures and shortcomings as a father. You know what? Without that, my kids are, are doomed. They're hopeless. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm just not good enough. I, I failed too many times. I have too much sin. They need God's grace covering all of my weaknesses and all my failures. That's what they need. Fathers, if you, as you do this self-evaluation, there's also going to be a need for repentance, turning from sin, turning towards God to do the right thing. Nothing will make much of a difference in the way that you father your children unless there is genuine repentance along the way. No more hiding. No more covering sin and sweeping it under the rug. No more turning your back. No more saying, well, I guess I'm good enough. No more of that. You need humble repentance, turning away from that sin, turning to God, being committed to doing it differently, being committed to God's ways. Another thing in self-evaluation is you might need some help. You might need some help with these things. The responsibility of fathering isn't an easy one. It's not something that just comes naturally, especially if you haven't had a good example in your own life. This can be challenging. So fathers, don't be ashamed to ask for help, to, to look for help in these ways. I'd love to talk to you personally. Look for somebody else who's a, a stage or two ahead of you in life and sit down with them, have a conversation. How'd you do this? What'd you do in this situation? I'm struggling here. Can you pray for me with this? Ask for help where needed. Now as we talk about these things, some of you may be convicted. Some of you may be broken over these things. Some of you may have a heavy heart because you recognize that you didn't do this very well. So what if you haven't done well as a father? 
first and foremost, you, just, you first need to believe the gospel. You need to believe the gospel. Jesus died and was raised to life that you don't have to carry guilt and shame with you. You can be free of that. But here's some things I'd encourage you to do. First, confess your sin. Confess your sin as you recognize it. Bring it to light. Confess your sin to God. And maybe if, if it would be appropriate, confess your sin to your children. Confess the areas that you've done wrong in, their, in your parenting of them. Also repent. Again, commit yourself to live differently. Start now loving your kids well. Share the gospel with them as you have opportunity. And maybe the most important thing you can do if you haven't done this well before, is to just pray hard. Pray hard for your kids. Because here's the hope that that we have. Here's the hope for you. Here's the hope for your kids. No one is beyond God's reach. No one is beyond God's reach. He is mighty to save. So pray hard that he would do a great work. Nobody's heart turns towards God without his work. And so pray hard in these things. So, fathers, as you do some of the self-evaluation, be encouraged. God has the power to bring change in your family, and he desires to work through you in order to, to bring that about. So next, we're going to look at a little bit of response to fathers. So wives, mothers, how do you see fathers? How do you respond to them? Turn back to, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ladies, here's how you can respond to your husband in these things as he does this fathering responsibility. Ephesians 5, 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. All right? So this idea of a wife submitting to her husband is often misunderstood in the church. Right? It's often an uncomfortable thing. The word submit here just simply means to yield yourself to the authority of another. All right? So that means that you are to follow your husband's leadership in these things. It's really pretty simple. You follow his leadership in these things. The husband is the initiator, the leader, and the wife in partnership comes along beside to carry these things out. She submits to her husband's authority. We have different roles on the team. Right? And when it comes to parenting, there needs to be good communication. There needs to be good teamwork in this. You need to be on the same page, going after the same things. But mom, you should not undermine dad's authority in the home. You should not undermine it. You should come underneath that. Mothers, as your husband carries out this God-given authority in the home, you are to allow him to lead. Follow his leadership. Support decisions and direction that that he lays out. Follow through on these things with good effort. You are also to encourage your husband in these things. Wives, you have a powerful voice in your husband's life, powerful influence. Your words of encouragement or discouragement have big implications. They're big implications in his life and therefore yours and, and in your family. Okay, look back at verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands. How? As to the Lord. Right? Ask the Lord. This is talking about your mindset in this. It's not, a, oh, I have to do this kind of thing. You're doing this as to the Lord. It's not a matter of submitting because he's the greatest man ever or not submitting because he's not the greatest man ever. 
You are to submit because this is the glorious position that God has you in. The glorious position that God has given you. You're to see this as a good gift from God. He's given you someone to love you and care for you and lead your family. You're to receive that, to come alongside of that in partnership. This is a beautiful thing. But here's why we can get off track with this. Here's why it can be uncomfortable and confusing. This command for you mothers and wives of submitting to your husbands is very countercultural, right? It's countercultural, and I believe it's because the, the big temptation here for you ladies is to receive this as a matter of value, a matter of value, right? If God tells me to submit to my husband, to put myself underneath his authority, I must not have much value. I must not be worth much. Let me reassure you, this is not the case at all. It's not a matter of value. It's simply a matter of roles, right? You are no less valuable than your husband, right? We read earlier in Genesis that God created male and female both in his image. That's tremendous value. There's no more value that you could have. Your value and your worth as a woman come from your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's all through him. That's where your value and your worth come from. It's not in your role. It's not in your job. It's not in your volunteer work. Your value and your worth come through Jesus Christ. That's it. And so God has placed you, mother, wife, in this position, this unique position for his glory, for his honor. And so live with that in mind. I know that can be confusing. Love to talk to you more individually if you have more questions about that, okay? Uh, next, we're going to see how children are to respond to fathers. So this is the time for all of you kids to come on up and have a seat up here. So kids, come on, make your way up. Everybody else, keep listening. There's going to be implications for you guys as well. So guys, come on up, find a spot to sit. All right. Thanks for hanging with me so far, guys. You did great. All right. Good job. Okay, so we're going to talk about how you as children are to relate to your father, your dad, okay? Um, and I should grab my Bible here. Let me grab it real quick. Oh, there are the overflow people, huh? Good deal. All right, good to see you guys. All right, so we're going to look at how you as children are to relate to your father, all right? We're going to look back at Ephesians because before that verse on father, it addresses children. That's you guys, right? And here's what it says. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So kids, what are you supposed to do? Obey. Yeah, you're supposed to obey. It's very good that we obey, that children obey. That's a good thing. And it's biblical. We read that in the Bible. But let me tell you something. That's not enough. It's not full enough. God wants even more from you. There needs to be more than just obeying. The Bible says there needs to be honor. Okay? Because the next verse, after children obey your parents, says this. It says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you that you may live long in the land. Do you know that Paul is writing this, Apostle Paul, do you know where he got that from? Where did he get that from? Honor your father and mother. Anybody know? 
Yeah, I got it from God. That's good. Somewhere in the Old Testament. The Bible? Yeah, the Bible. The Old Testament came from the Ten Commandments. Way back in the Old, Old Testament, the Ten Commandments said, honor your father and mother. And so here we see children that if you want things to go well for you, you must honor your father along with your mother. That word honor means to regard in great respect. You are to hold your father and your mother in high respect, in high regard. And so there's a difference between obey and honor. To obey means to do what you're told, right? Obey, do what you're told. But to honor means to show great respect. So you can obey and honor. If you are honoring, you'll obey, right? You'll do what you're told. That's part of honoring. So let me give you an example. Let's say that dad tells you to go out and shovel the driveway. And you roll your eyes at him. And you walk out complaining and grumbling how unfair life is. And you leave half the snow left on the driveway. Did you honor dad? Did you show him a high level of respect? No, you didn't, did you? Honoring dad means that you would respond well to his request, to what he asked you to do. You would go and do it with a good attitude. You would work hard and get the job done. And then, if you really want to honor him well, you'd go back and ask him, hey, dad, is there anything else I can do for you? Right? That'd be honoring. That'd be showing him a great level of respect. Now, some of you might be thinking, that's crazy. I shouldn't have to do that, right? Some of you parents might be thinking, that's crazy. I can't expect my kid to do that. But if we are to honor, this is what it means. This is what it means to honor. This is biblically what it means. So fathers, if you want your children to honor you and your wife, this is what you need to teach them. This is the kind of responses and attitudes you need to teach them. Kids, if you want to live in obedience to God and honor him, this is what it takes. You need to learn to honor your father and your mother. It's more than just obey. That's part of honoring. But you need more than that. You need to show honor, high respect for your dad. All right? Thanks. You can go back and have a seat. Thanks for coming up. All right, so fathers, parents, these are the things that you need to teach and train your children in. Showing honor, more than just obedience. You can obey and not show honor, right? You can do what you're told and not be very honoring in it. Honor, teach them to honor. Honor addresses the condition of the heart, right? Honor addresses the the mindset and the attitude that's present in our, our lives. So obedience and honor towards parents um, needs to be trained. Children, you need to show honor to your father and to your mother in these things. Father, you represent God the Father to your children, right? An imperfect representative, but a representative nonetheless. So fathers, work hard to represent God well to your children, and children, work hard to obey, but also to honor your father. So we've seen a lot this morning for fathers. We've seen some responses from other people, how you are to view and respond to father. And so let's take these things and and let God bring application into your life. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you 
are a God who fathers us perfectly, who loves us unconditionally. Thank you that you have given the role of father within the home to have the authority to be a good leader. And so God, help all the fathers here to do that well. Help them to take that responsibility seriously, to see the the generational implications of what happens in their home right now. God, we need your strength to do this. We need your wisdom. We cannot do it in ourselves. So would you build us up in faith that we may do this well. God, help us to, to see this role of Father as important as you have and let us work to grow and develop lifelong God worshipers. So Father, would you continue this great work in us as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the charge is to you, fathers. As one who is placed by God into your position of authority within your home, lead your family well in the strength and power of the Lord. And may God grant each of you this week the strength to follow him faithfully in every aspect of life. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Have a great week.